Ding dongs, welcome back to The Good Play, a podcast about NBC's The Good Place. My name is Brianna, and with me on the line, she just spent $800 on marshmallow peeps. It's my sister, Marissa. I also have a stomach ache, but I think that one's on me. That's on you, bud. <laughs> I was gonna do the whole, like, she just put peeps in her chili, but you don't eat chili. I guess unless I- it's vegetarian chili. Yeah, I, I, would, I would have a little bit of veggie chili. But with peeps in it? Uh, absolutely not. No. <laughs> you do love peeps, though. I do love peeps. Separate from chili. You love yeah. peeps. Okay. Two great tastes that are not great together. <laughs> well, welcome back, everybody. Uh, we are excited about this episode. I think it it marks, I think, something we were looking for, which was a, a way forward. We had been sort of dancing around in the middle for a little bit, and I think now we're excited to see what's next but before we get to the recap a little housekeeping you can find us on itunes google play and at goodplay.cast.rocks please rate and review us on itunes especially if you're new we would love to hear from you uh you can also follow and like us on facebook uh we have a group the good play twitter you can follow us at the good play pod marissa does the weekly live tweets of the show and uh you can send us an email at the at gmail.com Yes, that's all correct. So let's jump in to Jeremy yeah. Baramy. <laughs> Jeremy Baramy. <laughs> Written so, by... Amramica the Beautiful. Friend of the pod. <laughs> friend. <laughs> For some... She also has a cameo in this episode. She does. She does. So do you... Are you well enough to take the recap or do you want me to? <sighs> I would rather you did it. Um, sure. Quite frankly... Uh, the whole drive for, so so you know I spent the last 24 hours with my sister in um, the Big Apple if you will yes indeed the city that never sleeps because we were seeing my fair lady at the Lincoln Center which can I just tell everybody yes run don't walk it go was see, fantastic go see my fair lady but I spent the whole drive from the train station back to my house um like singing I mean calling it singing is maybe giving me a little too much credit I was I was I was like yell singing like as loud as I possibly could all all the songs from every musical I've ever known so my voice is still You're a I little kinda, ragged it's a little bit of an own goal on the voice <laughs> thing <laughs> well I'm glad you enjoyed the the show so much and I was very happy to see you and I will gladly take the recap and you know jump in if you feel so inclined and you know we we have historically not been strangers to singing on this podcast so if you feel so oh, inclined believe me <laughs> if if i get even the merest whisper of excuse you guys are going to be hearing some learner and low like real quick it's happening it's happening well i feel like we we've got some uh we might have some thematic i don't know we, we'll we'll figure out a way to work it in i'm sure you will All right, so I will take care of the recap then. So this is the recap of Jeremy Baramy, and we will find out the significance of that title, which I thought was very... I was so mad when I found it out. I was like, come on, man. There was no way we were going to get that. No, no, no. But it was was cool. I liked it. So we pick up right after where we left off with the cockroaches walking in on Michael and Janet and the door to the afterlife. They all recognize him as a different persona 
and they start asking him questions and you know they ask about the good place and Tahani wants to know if she has the most points it's very on brand for her Michael kind of panicking pulls Janet aside to kind of like how could we weasel out of this but she can't help and Michael makes up another persona on the fly, Rick Justice of the <laughs> FBI. And Janet is Lisa Frenchy Fuqua. And he tells them they're all in grave danger. Double name. <laughs> yes. And it's he tells them that they are paranormal investigators, which he must have watched the X-Files while he was on Earth. <laughs> and, you know, they're sent to protect the four humans from ghouls and stuff. But Eleanor is, like, incredulous and obviously doesn't believe him. And, you know, he he kind of falters and is like, oh, ask Janet anything. And they're like, isn't her name Lisa? And like, Frenchie. Frenchie. <laughs> Like, I thought her name was Frenchie, and it's like, oh, no, her nickname is Janet. What? Okay, so uh, Eleanor tells the group that, you know, her office used to get raided by the FBI a lot, so she knows a Fed when she sees one, and it's, you know, they're not federal agents. Um, So she calls out Michael, and he kind of pulls Janet aside, and he's like, can we kill them? They've, they're just filled with goo. It'll be so easy. <laughs> Ooh. I know. And Janet you know, basically just levels with him and says it's over. And Michael, I did not see this coming by the way. Me neither. I mean, this was the real thing where I was like, Oh, you know, I think we've been kind of running around in circles for a few weeks. Like I said, and this, I was very happy to get to this point because I think it set up the rest. Well, it's deeply dark. Yes. So I don't know about happy being the right word. Exactly. But it sets up a new, I think like, well, it's like uh, a new oh, conflict, I suppose. Uh, yeah, a new direction. So he tells the humans everything, starting with, you all died, <laughs> which must have been a real shock. And after telling them everything, Michael informs them that now that they know about the afterlife, their motivations for doing anything are corrupted because they know about the point system. Oh, I hate this corrupt motivation so, thing. Yeah, so here we are again with this corrupt motivation. They can't earn points anymore, so they're all doomed no matter what they do, and it's kind of all Michael's fault. And Janet goes, that's our bad, guys. <laughs> she made me laugh. So, like, real question... <laughs> And I don't know that this is enough to, like, save for discussion, but does that mean that every religious person who believes in an afterlife has corrupt motivations and so doesn't earn points? That's a good question. Although I don't know. Maybe it's, like, a very literal, like, you know about the point system. Yeah, maybe. But that's a good question. Michael reveals to the protagonist that they were in the afterlife for nearly 300 years, but time moves differently on Earth because of what he calls Jeremy Baramy. So time in the afterlife is not linear. Uh, it makes loops and twists and turns that when drawn out resembles kind of like a, a scripty cursive version of the words Jeremy Baramy. So that's what they call it in the afterlife. So this explanation is like pretty amazing. They're, you know, everyone's like, what is the, what is going on? And they're like, oh yeah, well, you know, it's just time loops and, over here is Tuesday sometimes, and like that might be July nothing. other times, yeah. <laughs> right? Um, so Chidi is like, he's like, this has broken me. I'm broken. No, no, it's it's the dot over the it's, eye that breaks yes. him. So the dot over the eye, which is like separate from the rest of the time loop, is the thing that might be Tuesday. It might be nothing. It might be July. You know, who knows? Uh, it changes, and he's like, well, this has broken me. <laughs> um, 
So Eleanor, you know, has a moment where she's just glad that she can go back to living her life the way that she wants to because being good is pointless. And she's like, I'll see you all in hell. Usually I say that when leaving a room, but this time I actually literally mean it. I will literally see you all in hell. And Jason goes, not if I see you first. Like, he's such a ding dong. I love it. So they all leave. And the little singer on the scene is Janet pointing to just like a random moment and going, that's my birthday on the <laughs> yeah. timeline. Which like, do Janets have birthdays? I uh, Allegedly. I yes. guess so. Maybe it's the day that Michael activated her. Oh, yeah, maybe. So after leaving the group, Eleanor goes to a bar called Drinking Nemo, and um, she bullies a bartender into giving her a free drink because she's sort of making up her own morality at this point and just saying, like, you you know, I'm out for me, and that's basically it. Meanwhile, Tahani has an idea, and she opens a safe, and she asks Jason to act as her bodyguard, and he said that's no problem because he was the security guard at his friend's off-brand SeaWorld, which is just a kiddie pool full of jellyfish. <laughs> and wasn't there something else they in there killed too? Oh. a whale which i was oh. gonna skip because it's upsetting <laughs> yep thank you sorry so they go to the sydney opera house together where tahani donates two million dollars and she does so anonymously and you know the person as much as she wanted house, to add to her collection of wings and atria yeah which a uh, lovely oh my gosh and i was at um so after marissa left uh the city today i i went to basically I went to the Morgan Library, which, if you are not familiar with it, is the actual old home of James Pierpont Morgan, the J.P. Morgan guy. And so everything is, like, named, named, named. Everything, all the different libraries have uh, wings named after this. So I could just imagine, like, the Tahani Al-Jamil Library in there. She decides to donate anonymously, and the woman at the at the opera house is, is really thrilled and, you know, Jason kind of asks her what's up and he says, and, and she says that, you know, now that she knows how it all ends, she just wants to be virtuous for virtue's sake. You know, she's spent all this time trying to be good to get attention and now she really wants to do something good just for doing good. And like, I did not see this coming out of Tahani. I didn't either, but I thought it was great. I thought it was really, really, uh, you know, again, an interesting twist and i also like the fact that they paired jason and tahani up because he has as we'll see like a totally different version of here's how to be charitable mm-hmm. and so jason just like has to mention that he once had a disease name you know she's talking about all the atrias and stuff she's had named after her and he says he once had a disease named after him because he quote kissed a bat on a dare <laughs> oh, <Jason. laughs> so jason like we mentioned, uh, tells Sahani that, you know, he knows. I know. <laughs> like, this is the. And Manny Jacinto just does all of these lines, you know, about SeaWorld and about kissing a bat. Like, he's just, you know, making conversation. It's, it's not dark. He's just, you know. So Jason is like, oh, well, if you if you want to be charitable, then, like, I think I know a way that's a lot more fun than this. And he's like, come on. He kind of takes her hand. Um, and but before we see that, we cut to Chidi. <laughs> Chidi is broken. Chidi's the star of this episode. Yeah, this is Chidi's episode for sure. This is William Jackson Harper's like, in my opinion, I don't want to say breakout episode, but like he gets to he's got quite a range in this episode and quite a six pack. Yes, indeed. So Chidi's wandering through the park and he's like 
manically quoting Nietzsche to a drug dealer, and it just is like scaring uh, specifically people. Specifically, the god is dead, and and what festival shall we enact? <laughs> like we killed him, and we're responsible. And then the sprinklers start off, start running, and he takes his shirt off, which you know, hello, nurse. I was, <laughs> I, was I ain't mad at it. Um. <laughs> So we see that, and then we cut to Janet and Michael, who have decided to write a manifesto that includes their whole, you know, experience with the Bad Place neighborhood and what they've learned from it with recommendations on how to improve the afterlife. So, uh, you know, Michael admits that they failed finally, you know, but he is kind of hoping that this will help someone else succeed in making a difference. Michael types as fast as our mom types. So yep. Jan so Janet is like, why don't I just dictate you know she, you Well she starts actually a, like writing it rather than right. having it dictated to her. She's like, I'm just filling in some stuff. So meanwhile back at the bar, drunk Eleanor is arguing with the bartender and he's like, okay, so you'll owe no one anything and you know, it, it, again these themes that keep coming back up and you know, she says she's only looking out for herself and she also takes some pretty good shots at America. America? Yeah, America. You know, how if you get, if you need surgery, you just ask for money on the internet. It's a, it's great. And, you know, it's a perfect system. She finds a wallet on the floor. She's clearly inebriated and she finds a wallet on the floor and she can't bring herself to just take the money from it, even though she wants to. So instead, she goes to the address on the ID, but the guy has moved. So she has to go to yet another address. And, you know, the woman who moved into the old house is like, hey, can you bring his old mail and stuff like that? So she's got an armful of stuff. Yeah, there's like a potted plant. Which I was like, like, where do you, are are you in the witness protection program? Why'd you leave all your stuff in that house? (laughs) Also, you know, lady, just keep the free potted plant, okay? Yeah. So Chidi, we come back to Chidi, and he's basically become season one Eleanor. Yep. (laughs) From her birthday and, you know, when she's piling random stuff into her grocery cart, he's doing the same thing. He's still shirtless. Oh, who, Megan Amram. Thank thank you. you. Thank you. Thank you. From from straight women and gay men everywhere. From all of us here at The Good Play. (laughs) Thank you. And when he's told he can't shop without a shirt. He just, like, puts on a novelty t-shirt that says, like, who, what, where, when, wine. It's <laughs> obviously for drunk wine moms. It's yeah. so great. <laughs> and he's like, cool. By the way, it fits oh, very well. <laughs> like a glove. I mean, it's a, like a women's fitted tee, so it yep. basically fits him really nicely. Um, <laughs> and he spends nearly $900 on all his groceries and he, like, leaves the credit card and his car keys with the checkout lady and just kind of, like, wanders off in a manic episode. We catch up with Tahani and Jason, who are giving out cash to strangers on the street, uh, including Megan Amram as a busker. She's playing violin. And Jason tells her, now you can buy a bigger chin guitar. <laughs> <laughs> on Twitter, I could not believe this Twitter exchange, Lin-Manuel Miranda tweeted... I see you with that violin, Megan Amram. And Megan Amram quote tweeted it and said, like, asterisk chin guitar. (laughs) (laughs) So first of all, Lin-Manuel Miranda is watching The Good Place Does he listen? Lin-Manuel Miranda, are you listening to The Good Play? Could you imagine? Yeah, I feel like he's probably pretty busy. (laughs) You never know. He might need some time to wind down. Like, maybe he takes 45 minutes out of his day to listen to two sisters you know talk about shirtless cheaty 
You never Remain know. Well, Miranda, I have some audition pieces for you. <laughs> They're all from My Fair Lady. All of <laughs> no, them. I know I know some Hamilton. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> oh, that's true. You do. So Jason, you know, they, they break for a little bit. They're like having lunch or whatever. And Jason holds a stack of bills and looking at the money says that having this amount of money would have changed his life. He could have paid his rent. He could have gone to the doctor. I mean, and because it's Jason, there is the comic twist to it, which is that instead of going to the doctor, he had to pretend he was a large dog <laughs> so he could go to the vet. But the, you know, I have this in in the discussion. Like, the point is that, you know, Jason's station in life has given him a very different idea of, like, what money can do for people mm-hmm. than someone like Tahani. And, his, and so his idea of being charitable is very different, you know. Instead of giving $2 million to an esteemed institution that can sort of use it to improve their programming and enrich people's lives in these less tangible ways. He's like literally giving someone money will help Direct them. aid. Yeah. Yeah. Literally like pay your rent, go to the doctor. Um, I think he tells a homeless guy that now he can afford fingers for his gloves. <laughs> <laughs> like stuff like that. This gives Sahani an idea. She goes to the bank with Jason in tow and she tries to transfer all of her money to him, but the banker like won't allow it. And of course, we find out that James Cameron has given Tahani the heart of the ocean necklace. <laughs> we also find out that the bank was supposed to shut down as soon as someone from Florida walked in. The- is just continuing to burn florida even in sydney they're burning florida yeah that did seem a little bit unlikely is there a florida of sydney of uh, australia (sighs) melbourne i don't know i don't know get at us if you're listening from australia i think we have a couple australian listeners all right well keep talking i'll check the stats So Eleanor finally finds the guy who lost his wallet and he's like just a thoroughly decent guy who's like really grateful for her to, you know, coming by with it. And, you know, like I thought I thought this was going to go in a different direction. I thought he was going to be like a jerk or I don't know, like but he was just I was surprised by how like thoroughly decent he was. And he's not worried about, you know, she thinks he's worried about the money because he's rooting through his wallet and she's kind of getting defensive. And he's like, no, no, I I was just looking for my good luck charm. And he pulls out this like crumpled up uh, or folded One up. Australian download for our last episode. All right. Everything is bonzer. We've got Australian listener. Uh, one Australian listener. Hello. <laughs> good day. Um, and might be an American on like, uh, you know, um, semester abroad. <laughs> well, even so, we're happy to have you. So he pulls out this folded up drawing that his daughter had done of the two of them. And this actually like almost made me cry. It's a picture of like the two of them. And it says, good luck, daddy, because he was nervous about starting a new job and she wanted to cheer him up. So they cut out a joke here. You're supposed to then find out that the daughter who drew this adorable little picture is a teenager. Oh, <laughs> Okay. I mean, I'm kind of glad that they didn't do that because it's a, it's sweeter when you think that it's a little girl. Yeah. But um, I, I was like, oh, boy. Uh, so, well, I thought it was a little girl and I thought that was very sweet. And, you know, he he says to Eleanor, you know, you're a good person and I hope my daughter grows up to be like you. And she starts to cry. She's like, shut up. Yeah. She's like, you shut. Yeah. She gets <laughs> def- she's like crying, but also defensive, which is like very <laughs> Eleanor. So Chidi is still completely broken, and this is the real meat Best of, part the of the episode. I know <laughs> the meat—no pun intended—the chili meat of the episode. My chili babies. 
So Chidi is still completely broken, and he's teaching a class in his novelty who, what, where, when, wine t-shirt. He's putting marshmallow peeps and M&Ms in the chili, which is like soup's gross. (laughs) But his students like are asking him to actually teach them something. And so Chidi explains. Have you ever been to college writers of this show? Yeah, no students are like, <laughs> come on, teach us more. Teach us more. If a, t- if a professor goes off on a tangent, you sit there in satisfied silence. Well, maybe these are like the extra credit kids of the world. I don't know. Um, I was a pretty extra credit kid myself. You and I still are wasn't. an extra credit kid. <laughs> uh, well, I, it just basically sets him up for summarizing these three different ethical theories, you know, of how to live a good life. You Great know, summaries, sp- by the way. I was like, we could have used yes. these earlier. Yes. I mean, and I think this is the real, like, heart of the episode, in in addition to it being, like, Chidi's finest moment, I think, in the series. But, like, it's also a real breakdown of, like, not only how far the series has come, but also we kind of get to see all of our characters living out these different um, schools of thought in real time. So he talks about virtue ethics, which is living according to virtues like generosity. And he's the voiceover and we see Tahani at the opera house donating anonymously. Then he talks about consequentialism, which is whether something is right or wrong, uh, stems from the consequences of that action, how much good or how much harm it does. And we see Tahani and Jason giving money to strangers on the street and people are like hugging them and high-fiving them and they're actually having conversations with people. It's like a very different experience than the opera house. And then there's deontology, which is identifying and obeying so societal rules. And then Which, see- if you recall, Chidi was a deontologist until five minutes ago. Yes. And this is he- why he had all that trouble lying about being a demon in the um, second, the end of the second season. Right. And Eleanor is a moral particularist, as we learned. And we see, you know, through this, we see Eleanor returning the wallet. And I have this in the discussion, but I think it's actually kind of notable that all three of these scenes have to do with money. Hmm. So then he <laughs> he tells, he's like, here's the real deal, my chili babies. Um, he's like, all this is bullshit, basically. He doesn't say bullshit because they're on Earth, but he says, you know, it's it's a bunch of hot garbage and... You should actually follow nihilism, which is the world is empty and you're just going to die. I love, so I put this in the live tweet, but like all the students in the class look shocked as if he's just, you know, said the most obscene thing you can think of. And I was like, no student on earth is like the professor's embracing nihilism. Oh, fetch me my smelling salts. I feel like that's a very like late high school, early college, like, why does it matter things? I feel like you'd at least have a couple students who are on board for this. Yes! And, but, like, the students, to your point, are, like, still trying to take him seriously, and they're like, is this gonna be on the test? And he just, he does this, like, amazing, like, just string of, like, (laughs) what does it matter? Who cares? Is there a test? There's no test, but you all passed it, but you all failed, but it doesn't matter. Goodbye! Like, he just... (laughs) spits at them so they all kind of like shamble out of the class they're like what was that and as the students clear out we see eleanor standing there with her arms crossed and she she just goes a cool lecture (laughs) so she tells him she's got a plan and he's got to like leave the chili and come with her 
So Michael and Janet have finished writing their manifesto and Michael kind of reiterates that he hopes that it will help someone else make changes, but he's resigned. they're about to go be retirized and marbleized. Yeah, so he's resigned to the fact that they're going to be retired, but he wants them to enjoy, you know, their remaining time on Earth, which is like kind of sad. Um, and, and he's like, I know it's touristy, but I want to visit a lens crafter. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, I thought that was hilarious. And at the same time, I was like, how much did lens crafters pay to be mentioned in that? I thought it was funny because I thought it was like the, you know, we think of touristy as like the no, opera that's house. obviously the joke. Okay, well, fine. But also, I am betting that somebody changed hands. Why not? I mean, you know, lens crafters, why not? It's better than, you know. Lens crafters, why not? Well, why not? You're welcome, <laughs> Step into a lens crafters today. Why not? Why not? Well, actually, my, I have 2020 vision. Yeah, but why not? But why not? There is a Warby Parker store in New York, and I have gone there to try on glasses, even though I don't need them. It's fun. Warby <laughs> Parker. Why not? Who, what, where, when, wine? Anyway, so so they're kind of resigned to their fate, and Eleanor walks in on uh, on them with Chidi, and Michael is, like, obviously very surprised, but happy to see them, and... He's like, is everything okay? Other than, you know, everything. <laughs> which is like, <laughs> which is very 2018. It's like very 2018. Oh man, is it ever. And so Chidi is kind of looking and sounding normal again. And he said they've accepted their fate and it's chilly under the bridge. And Tahani and Jason show up and announce they've gotten married. I'll be honest. Um, so I, I watched this on NBC.com. And there were a few skippy moments toward the end of the episode, so if I missed anything, let me know. Okay. But Tahani and Jason show up, announce they've got, gotten married. Janet is clearly alarmed. She's like, oh my god, that's so great! <laughs> but Tahani assures them that it's platonic, and it's really just so that she can split her money with Jason. Right, because uh, the bank wouldn't allow it. Eleanor says that, you know, they can still try to do good in the world and help people that they care about get in the good place. Even Right, if this is can't. her plan. This is her grand plan. Yeah. He, that she, they are all damned, but they can help other people. Which is, you know, not a bad plan. And she said, why not try? It's better than not trying. And she she brings up that little voice in her head, which is a recurring theme that we that we hear about throughout the season. Uh, in season two and and it's coming back again and so michael and janet agree to help and so does chidi and they call themselves the soul squad which is cute Mm -hmm. yes uh and then larry hemsworth comes and he's like hey babe like where have you been uh boom cuts a black yeah and and uh eleanor not above being a messy bench who loves drama starts filming (laughs) that's right because I was sort of like when she's like, oh, I got married to Jason. I was like, what happened to Larry Hemsworth? Yeah, you just had an engagement party, you crazy. Eris. Oh, honey. Airbnb. So I really liked this episode. Yeah, this this episode is being hailed as, you know, a classic in the Good Place canon. I would agree with that, actually. I think it's a it's a really interesting, like, different look than we've had before. It's a, it, it's... Uh, for me, it's nothing without Chidi's breakdown. Yeah, he really makes it. He makes yeah. it. It's about him. Which is good, because Chidi is my husband. <laughs> yes. He deserves a spotlight. Chidi is your husband, other than Henry Higgins, we've found out. Okay, so... <laughs> it turns out that Henry Higgins might be my particular brand of asshole. <laughs> I'm not proud of this fact. It is just 
a truth I have discovered inside my own soul. And I don't know what to do with it now. Just embrace it. From someone who has been there before, (laughs) you just got to embrace it. That's right. You're in love with Adam Scott the Demon. I'm in love with every guy who... Who sucks? I'm in love with. I mean, this is. I love Han Solo. I love Tony. Han Solo doesn't suck. You take that back. You shut your mouth. No, I mean you. But you know what I mean. Every no, he's a a jerk. I refuse. He's a jerk with a heart of gold. Look, he's my Han Solo is my number one forever and ever. You know that I mean this with all the love in my heart. My face right now. You should see it. He's he's you know he's he's not like a nice guy he's a scoundrel that's the whole point of his character but like i know (laughs) (laughs) same thing with tony stark who i also love i'm not super into him you were once upon a time he's fine well i can't wait to watch that uh, robert downey jr movie about (laughs) about souls and whatnot when we when we're on hiatus Oh, yeah, the very young, pre-cocaine Robert Downey Jr. Um, You know, he, you know. So I'm very well-versed in this, so you just gotta embrace it. You know, the Adam Scott demon thing is actually more of a I just like Adam Scott. So, and I like him when he's not a demon. So Mm. I think that sort of transfers. Mm -hmm. But uh, I have no excuse. I have no similar excuse. I'm not like a big Rex Harrison head. (laughs) Are there any... 34-year-old women in this world who are like, nope. keep your crisp pine. <laughs> oh, that's right. We got to get to, in discussion, we got to talk about uh, Fork, Mary Kill on the Chris's. Oh, we're Did, doing that this time? Well, I mean, Ian asked us over Twitter, and I feel like, you know, give the people what they want. Yeah, that, that you're going to marry and fork. So, don't, no spoilers. Okay. <laughs> so... <laughs> Let's do some actual episode discussion yeah, before yeah, yeah. we just <laughs> completely so, pass it over. Like I mentioned before, you know, I think it's significant that a lot of that the a lot of this episode centered on like how to be good with around money, um, how to be a good person when money is involved. I should say it's sort of the quickest and easiest way to illustrate a lot of this. I guess, yeah, yeah. like it's hard. What are you going to do? You're like, I need to be moral. You're just going to like stand on the corner and wait for elderly people to need help crossing the street. Right. You know? And like, I think, and I think with Tahani, it makes the most sense for right. her to be like, how can I show that I've changed? Well, I've got all this money and you know, what can I do with it? And you know, but we've, the, the thing that stuck out to me the most was we've talked a lot on this show time and time again about how, Jason's lot in life would have been different if he had had money, if he had had even enough money to like just live a normal life, like forget being famous or rich, but but like enough money to pay his rent, enough money to stop all the side hustles, enough money to go to the doctor so that he, you know, after he kissed a bat. I would say so he get his bat flu treated like his um, Mendoza bat flu. (laughs) Yes. You know, we've talked a lot about the fact that the the afterlife you know the neighborhood was a post scarcity environment and so he was actually able to like grow and thrive as a person because he wasn't worried about making ends meet and we saw you know i think this actually helps put some of the previous episodes in this season that we weren't as thrilled with in a little bit of a perspective because we did see jason try to you know be a good person but the thing that ultimately led him back to a life of petty crime was that he needed money 
Yes. And so for him to... And then to... he proposed to a police officer. Right. Because he's like, then you can't snitch on me. So that's the kind of thing I think that, you know, is put into perspective when he's paired up with somebody who has the means to literally give out thousands of dollars like it's candy. And to say, you know, basically in a very Jason way, like my life would have been a lot different if I had, if I, if somebody would have given me this money. And so I thought, I just thought that was really interesting that they're like actually just coming out and stating it. You know, I think up until this point, it's been implied or we've made some leaps to say like, well, you know, is Jason's morality as a person you know, how has that been shaped? It's probably been shaped a lot by his economic circumstances. The same thing with Eleanor, you know, like she was emancipated at the age of what, 15, 16? Something like that. And she's had to take a lot of jobs that she, you know, where the feds are rating the offices, you know, so that she can make ends meet. And had somebody given her a financial leg up, you know, maybe she could have led a different kind of life too. But I think particularly with Jason, we've seen that over, over and over again in different ways, but this is the first time they kind of came out and just said it. Yeah. I guess it was inevitable once they were on earth that the socioeconomic stuff was going to be way more of a driver in their behaviors. Yeah. I mean, I think I mentioned this in the first episode or the second episode of the season, how Tahani behaves very differently towards Eleanor because Eleanor's just not a threat in this environment. Right. That's true. And in addition to the three sort of schools of thought that we see, so, you know, the the money changing hands as, or the money, you know, playing a role in illustrating, I should say, the, the three different schools of thought. The Mary Sue actually had like a really interesting way of looking at everybody's different reactions that includes some of the, some of the money aspects of this. So, the Mary Sue likens the group's reactions to finding out that they can never get into the good place with stages of grief. So they said Chidi is most definitively or definitely wallowing in depression and anger. Eleanor tries hard to cling to denial and her dirtbag ways. Uh, you know, she wants to keep the money, but she can't, can't bring herself to. Uh, and Jason and Tahani are attempting bargaining, giving away Tahani's money as a way to be virtuous for virtue's sake, now that she knows she can't get into the good place. I don't really buy that last one, because bargaining with whom and for what? They're doomed. They know they're doomed. They're not saying... At no point does either of them say, well, let's be as good as we can, because maybe they're wrong, and maybe we can still get in. Yeah, that's true. It's really not, really not bargaining from my point of view i i I think i buy the other things that they say but that one was the one where i was like that's a stretch yeah but i think yeah they're not like well what if i give all my money away but she has been like that in the past so maybe that's like a better way to look at the way she used to be yeah if i give all my money away will will it help me get famous if i give my money away yeah i don't think she was ever had her her focus on an afterlife i'm not sure she believed in an afterlife yeah but she definitely was giving her money away you know we 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 know this from you know the the times when she was told by michael that she you know was actually in the bad place that you know her motivations were corrupt always yeah and so this is actually the first time that her motivations really haven't been corrupt. Yeah. And she's sort of turning a new leaf, which, you know, is kind of a bummer for Larry Hemsworth, apparently. It's a little funny to me how, 
you know, we've seen them for a couple of seasons on, you know, they're in the bad place, but they think that, so I guess the second season specifically, they're in the bad place, but they think maybe we can earn our way into the good place now. And it's funny how Tahani's behavior, and I suppose actually all of their behavior, yeah, really all their behavior, is so vastly different between I'm in the bad place, but maybe I can get into the good place versus I'm alive and when I die, I'm going to be tortured forever and there's nothing I can do about it. It's just a bit, yeah. they, they react very different ways where you might expect them to behave slightly similarly because it's sort of like, it, it's all this like last ditch effort stuff, but it, it actually turns out to be a very different set of behaviors. Yeah, you know, I I, I agree with you and I think... What's interesting about that to me is that it kind of reminds me of the sort of like Jewish way of looking at the afterlife, which is that like, we don't really know what happens to us after we die. So we have to be good people here on earth. And in this case, they do definitively know what happens to them. So them after they die, they, they will go to the bad place, but they, still find value in being good people on earth with which i thought was a really interesting uh interesting way to do it i wonder if they reacted differently when they were in the bad place because they were like in it they were in the middle of it and everything was really immediate and everything was a bargaining chip to try to get out of that situation you know i don't want to be tortured but like it would have happened immediately i think they're imagining that, you know, they're going to have, they've, their deaths have been averted and they're hopefully going to have, you know, 50, 60, well, how old are they? 50 years. 30-ish. Yeah. So 50, 60 years left on earth. Are you going to walk shirtless around grocery stores for the next 60 years? Or yeah, Chidi really hasn't and, thought this through. Yeah. Or, you know, are you going to give away your car keys? Are you going to ruin your livelihood? Or are you going to try to do something with the second chance that you've been given? I, th- I think in the afterlife, their second chance was only self-preservation because that was the best they could do. I think here they're like, okay, well, you know, let's make the most of the time that we do have. Assuming that they yeah. have 50 or 60 years. I- I'm not so convinced. <laughs> yeah. So, so relatedly, where's Simone? Le- yeah. Let's hope she's not, like, dead in a car accident and now Chidi has to go through, like, yeah, I mean, with 99.999% probability she's in the bad place and then have to deal with that emotional roller coaster. Lord. Hashtag where's Simone? I think, you know, she went home in a cab last night. This takes place over the course of uh, not even 24 hours. You know, they they go into the basement to get champagne. They see the thing. They get an explanation. It's probably like one in the morning at this point. They all yeah. probably go home to sleep it off. And then the next day, Chidi wakes up. And so it's funny he had class that day. I suppose Tahani's engagement party was on a weeknight. And uh, yeah. he, he goes into class and he gives a nihilistic speech. But then it's kind of over. And that lecture could have been at like, you know, 2 p.m. <laughs> so And, you know, we've heard that Simone and Chidi, you know, we've heard them talking about sleeping in the same bed. Are they living together at this point? And if so, I don't think so. I mean, if I I have no, I have no, I have nothing to back that up. I just don't think so. But like, if I were like, I would have expected her to show up at some point in this episode and be like, what's wrong with you? 
why you like this. I think they wanted it to be a very pure episode that only focuses on our cockroaches. cockroaches. Does, does Janet and Michael, do Janet and Michael count in the cockroaches? Yes. I mean all, I mean all six of them. The, the Soul Squad, I yeah. suppose. Yeah. We, they wanted only to focus on the Soul Squad. They did not want the distraction of Larry or Simone. Except for the very end with Larry. Right. That's But that's the lead into the next episode. That's the cliffhanger. Yeah. God, I hope she's okay. But I also, like, I would kind of miss her if she went away. Like, if that's the last we see of Simone, I'm going to be really sad. I really hope not. But also, I bet you Chidi's going to be a terrible boyfriend after this. Yeah, because what can you do? You're just, like, he's... You He's- can't tell her why you're really upset because that would also damn her for eternity. Yeah. The best you can do is to try to get her into heaven with the knowledge that you don't get to go with her. Jesus. I know it's bleak. Ugh. It's very like City I of mean, Angels. <laughs> it is. I just had this moment of being like, and I don't want the world to see me. There's the singing. There's the singing I was looking for. Oh, that's so bleak. <laughs> oh, I'm just, I'm being broken by that. That breaks me more than like, oh, this time loop is, you know, separate from the other time loops. The the understanding that the people that you care about, you know, you're you're damned to an eternity of, of torture, but you're still going to try for the people you care about. Whew, that's rough. That's real rough. Because I don't think that they'd understand. That's the first album I ever bought. Whew. And it still holds up. I gotta be honest. Uh, the, I, I bought two albums together the first time I bought them. Uh, one was, a, I believe, a, a, a Wynton Marcellus trumpet collection. All right. And the other was an Elton John album. I love Elton John. I know. He's so great. <laughs> I didn't mean the City of Angels soundtrack, by the way. I meant the Goo Goo Dolls album, oh, okay, Dizzy right. Up the Girl. I, I do also own the City of Angels soundtrack. Uh, what? <laughs> I do. I think I bought it at the wall. Why? I think it still has oh the wall God. sticker on the it. The wall. We're aging ourselves. Yeah. If you remember the wall. <laughs> yeah, tweet at us. Get at us. William Jackson Harper is super jacked. Can we talk about this for conservatively the next half hour? I mean, that was the only thing I was watching this being like, oh, hell. He's oh, no. so oh. jacked. I can't get over it. I'm I mean, he's, like, almost, he's your... like, he's like implausibly jacked for a philosophy professor, he's, he's like right? Wolverine level <laughs> yes, jacked. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, he's like, so, yeah, he's like a superhero. Like, is that really. <laughs> Like, can we just, I mean, this, this goes on his highlights reel, by the way. Like, if anybody's looking for, like, the next, you know, romantic comedy lead or or the next Wolverine, like. (laughs) I uh, was just reading the Shuri comic book today. He could be in Black Panther. (laughs) Yeah, and though there's a, there's a mutant who, from Wakanda who, what's his name? Manifold? Cheaty. I think we William Jackson Harper. William Jackson Harper. Go be in Black Panther as as one of the mutants of the, Wakanda. The the Wakanda extended universe needs yes. you and your abs immediately to report to set. He and Chadwick Boseman could have like an abs off. And uh, actually, what am I talking about? Chad Chadwick Boseman and Michael B. Jordan, who is also <laughs> who is whoo! dead dead in those oh, movies. That's right. Damn it. He was also super jacked. Anyway. I'm glad that Janet kind of finally has a voice and Michael actually listened to her 
when she was like, it's over. Can we not, you know, can we just like come clean? I'm glad he listened to her. I wonder what it's like for her to be marbleized. Is yeah, it just think- like death for us? Or I do you mean, think she's like still conscious not, in the marble? Not death in the good place universe. Death the way that I conceive of it in real life, where she just ceases to exist. I don't know if her consciousness is in the marble or not, because when we saw a marbleized version of a Janet at the end of season two, you saw her face in it. That's true. So I don't know. If she's trapped in there, that would be That's horrible. That's gruesome, yeah. That would be horrible. But if she just gets like deactivated then you know maybe that's not as bad it's worse for michael i think oh it's for sure worse for michael that that the it's 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 torture on a level that you know i don't think the human mind can truly comprehend no what do you think is going to happen to their manifesto it's it, it that's not a it's not an idle point that they wrote that right yeah is that the book of doug isn't there a doug <laughs> forset thing well, it's not necessarily F- Doug Forsett. Um, hold on just a second. Chapter 37 is the book of Doug, but that's not for many episodes. That's gonna, mm. not going to be till next, you know, next 20, year. 2019. Yeah. Oh, we got to wait so long. I don't know. Well, yeah, it's not an idle point to, to your earlier point that this manifesto exists. So. Oh, so I'm looking at the episode titles, and they're slightly different from what we were sent by one of our listeners. Oh. Yeah, so so there's a there's a title here that I haven't seen. It's the second to last episode of the season. It's called "Cheaty Sees the Time Knife." I don't. That makes me <laughs> nervous. I have a stomachache. And then the f- finale is called "Pandemonium." I don't remember that one either. No. Oh God. <laughs> There's more pandemonium? More? Well, pandemonium sounds like it could be, you know... Pandas? Like, like we talked about last week with, like, you know, hell is closed. <laughs> oh, I like I like pandas better. I would just love a episode full of pandas. Well, I mean, probably it would be that Jason kisses a panda and gets panda flu. Panda flu! <laughs> oh, Jason. The simple child. We have a couple reviews that I found that I, I liked. Everybody everybody loved this episode. Everybody loved this episode. The same way that last week everyone was kind of like, I don't know, guys. Like, what are you doing? And then they're like, oh, this is what you were doing. Okay. Um, which is how I felt. A little bit from the AV Club from their uh, review. A stunning The Good Place looks into the abyss and discovers grace. Uh, there's a bit about Cheaty, which I really liked. Breaking down what he sees as the three schools of thought with admirable succinctness, Chidi works himself up to throwing them all away with a heartbreaking passion like a dying man saying goodbye to everything he mistakenly thought made life worth living. William Jackson Harper is better in Jeremy Barramy than he's ever been. No small compliment. Showing what happens to a man whose ceaseless search for enlightenment winds up in the worst place possible. There is nothing. He knows that. Bring on the peep, Chili. (laughs) And then a little bit more. The Good Place has torn its world down and started over so many times and so drastically that Chidi's Eleanor-aided return to at least grudging ethical ground was not a done deal. But Eleanor's epiphany indicates that The Good Place's narrative instincts remain astoundingly sound, eschewing another high-wire caper for something more like wisdom and grace. Which I think is the more literary way of saying what we've been saying that like 
at least I have been a little exhausted by a lot of this, like, oh, I'm this person, and it's actually, we're doing this now, and it's a, it's a study, and we're gonna, like, force you guys all together, and everything's really sweaty. Like, this episode did not feel sweaty. It felt, oh, no, much more like the thoughtful exercises of people kind of working out what it means to be good, which was really nice. And the Good Place uh, Vulture recap was called Give It Away Now. Appropriate. Give it away! Give it away! Give it away now! More singing, yes. Is that singing? It's like sing rapping. It's like, you know. I don't don't know that I would call Anthony Kiedis a rapper. Yeah. (laughs) Anyway. Given the nature of this show and the cliffhanger arrival of Larry Hemsworth over the closing credits, it's highly unlikely that everything or even anything is going to go smoothly from here, but that doesn't make Eleanor's revelation any less poignant and comforting in a way. She realizes the big question going forward isn't so now what, but rather how do we make the most of what we've got for ourselves and for others? And really, hasn't that been the question all along? I have uh, an email. Ooh. From Chris, listener Chris. Hi, Chris. Who calls himself our n- number one ding dong. Which number I feel like. Number one ding dong. That's amazing. <laughs> so, hey, friends. One question that I keep coming back to that you might have been keeping better track of. What do we know for sure about the point system? It seems like a lot of info came from the original bad good place with possibly lying Michael, right? Some things we know for sure are that Mindy is real and that maybe we can trust things that the burrito judge, <laughs> her name is Jen, named after hydrogen, and maybe Janet I said. I like burrito judge. <laughs> Even Janet is slightly suspect since it is not clear to me how much she was reprogrammed by Michael. I don't think she was, I don't know if reprogrammed is really the right word. But anyway, what are your thoughts? What do we really know? Love the podcast. So, Aw, thanks, Chris. Yeah, that's very sweet. So, You're number one ding dong. I have heard this sort of before. So the AV Club made a made a contention that we don't know of anyone for sure has gotten into the good place. And if you trust Michael's initial monologuing to Eleanor, we know for sure that uh, that Abe Lincoln is in the good place. That's the one that I could remember. Yeah. The point is, sis- somebody just didn't make it. It was um, Florence Nightingale. Florence Nightingale. Yeah. So. I think that I believe, I mean, you know, it's always possible for there to be like, it's a double switch reversal, right? The whole time. But I think I believe that Jen is who she appears to be. Mm-hmm. And she definitely has made references to the point system. You know, they have to earn enough points to make it into the good place for real when I rewind time. You know, I'm paraphrasing. Yeah. I also, so- I also... <sighs> I believe the initial breakdown of the point system. I mean, we see in, I think it's the pilot. Yeah, it's the You pilot. know, they have these, like, you know. Continuing to support the Cleveland Browns. 50 points. Right. Like, changing the hearts and minds of a nation. Forgetting your sister's birthday. Like, saving a person from drowning. Like, eating a sandwich with whole wheat bread. Or, I don't know, I'm making things up. But it's you know, subscribing to Maxim magazine. I don't know. Like, yeah, that would get you some bad place points. But so I kind of believe that conceit, but I just, you know, believe that the humans were deceived that they were on the right side of it because it does seem like from everything we've seen from the bad place, the real bad place, 
and what we know now about like accountants, how accountants keep track of people's point totals that like, you know, the bad place does exist. People are getting tortured. Is it a matter of like, maybe the point system is actually different and it's not that hard to get into the good place? I don't know. But if that's the case, then no, I don't think that's it yeah i mean because if that's the case then a lot of this hand wringing over how to be good is kind of for naught you know i think the point i think the point is that the deck is so so stacked and it's so impossible like that's why michael's kind of like we've been making a terrible mistake all this time like we've been doing something wrong right so i think our answer is that we fundamentally believe that the show has not been playing it loose fast and loose with the whole concept of a point system. Yeah. We may turn out to have been fooled, but I think we have enough confirmation from the, the intro video at Mindy's house, plus whatever the judge has said that not everything that has been said has been out of the mouth of somebody who's a bad place employee. Yeah. Or even a bad place employee. That's, trying to trick like michael is the real deceptive one but he does say later that the you know the best lies are you know slightly rejiggered truth truth or whatever yeah they're closest to the truth yeah i i think at the end of the day i believe that the point system is pretty much as they've set it out especially since you know mike sure has talked in interviews about how that whole point system was like a major driver for him to think of the show how he just had in his own mind oh this imaginary point system and when someone like cut him off on traffic he would just feel better about it because he would just be like you just lost five points buddy like so he had this so so that was almost the first thing that existed in this whole artistic yeah yeah, in this whole artistic endeavor and the thing that the thing that got him to kind of think of the next piece was like oh this is actually a terrible system right (laughs) so that kind of leads to the revelations that michael the character is having of like oh this is a terrible system we've been doing something really wrong this whole time because i think before you know, him creating the neighborhood in the first place wasn't, this is a terrible system. It was, uh, there has to be a more interesting way to torture humans. But now that he's gotten to know the four humans and he has seen them grow and he's grown to love them, now he's like, oh, wait, uh, this is, we've been doing something wrong. Like, you know, and that's why he wrote the manifesto, I would imagine. So before we wrap up, we have to do Fork, Mary Kill with the Chris's. So that's Chris Hemsworth, mm-hmm. Chris Evans, mm. and Chris Pine. Mm-hmm. So I'll go first because this is actually... Wait, what about actually... Chris Pratt? Oh, well, there's not four options. What do you do? Uh, just hang out with Chris Pratt because he seems super fun. Okay, so okay. Fork, Mary Kill, chill. Yes, I love that. Okay. <laughs> okay. So, okay. Well, now, it's, now it's a little more... I think my answer is the same as it was going to be. Okay. I I fork Chris Pine. Really? Re- yes. I thought you'd marry him. I, well, so, okay. I would also I would also marry him. But I was going to marry Chris Evans because he seems like a really sweet feminist dude. He is a really sweet dude. You know, like, dude. he's got, like, super correct politics. And so, you know. What if you ended up married to someone who... You know, didn't have super correct politics. That would be <laughs> you rough. Would, 
You would have to you would have to drive off a cliff within a week. He's I think he's literally Captain America. So Right. Yeah. I mean he's he was like the first one on the scene when that British jerk was criticizing Daniel Craig for carrying his baby around in a baby Bjorn. Ugh, Chris yeah. Evans was like got out his vibranium shield and was like, aha, no, you know, he said basically like you, but you're probably really insecure in your masculinity. Yeah. If you want to yeah. criticize a man for parenting his baby. Yeah. No, that's, you're right. So, so that's, that would be why I guess I would, why marry. I would marry him. Yeah. I would also be happy to marry Chris Pine. Maybe, you know, maybe if Chris Evans dies in a horrible accident. Oh no. Um, or maybe Chris Evans and I get a divorce. I don't know. Or it's, maybe, that's fine too. you know, you're in a, no. Po- po- nope. Polyamorous? No. Nope. Nope. No. Nope. nope. Okay. And I guess I'm killing Chris Hemsworth. Sorry, Chris Hemsworth. <laughs> and I'm um, chilling with uh, Chris Pratt. Because honestly, I kind of do want to chill with Chris Pratt. Me too, man. I feel like he would have a lot of stories. Yes. And a lot of I want to hear what about- it was like to be married to Anna Ferris. I want to hear... Stories about being on the Guardians of the Galaxy set. I want to hear stories about being on the Parks and Rec set. I just want him also to, like, prank me. He's like, <laughs> he seems like a real prankster. I want him to pretend that I am a velociraptor and, like, the, he's taming me, you know? <laughs> anyway. He seems what... like he would be a really fun hang. Yes! Yeah. Yeah, I agree. So, chill is... I, I actually think I have the same... Uh-oh. Ooh. Well, okay, so I'll switch it then. I think I would have the same as you, but I will... At least I have no competition for Henry Higgins. <laughs> Not on this podcast, you don't. Like I said, I, I like a lot of jerky guys, but this one is all yours. He's so smart, though. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Arrogant, though. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Yeah. I would cut him down to size. It would work, I think. <laughs> you tell yourself that. <laughs> Let's see. Uh, like I said last week, I wouldn't kick any of the Hemsworth brothers out of bed. Certainly not. But of the Chris's, he's sort of the one that I'm the least attached to. So I think I'm going to have to maybe... I know, it's hard. Ian has set us an impossible task, much like the labors of Hercules. This is rough. uh, Yeah, I'll just, I'll I'll say I I got the same, I'll do do the same as you. (laughs) And if it comes down to like, you know, we got to switch it up, maybe we could like switch, be like, you're marrying Chris Pine for like these 10 years. And then the next 10 years I get him. We can just kind of switch up. It's like husband swapping. Yeah, kind of. Like wife swap, but for real, <laughs> in our imaginations. <laughs> so the opposite of for real. It's fine. <laughs> it's fine. Well, lots of attractive Chris's in Hollywood right now. It's too many Chris's. Too many Chris's. Now we could we could if if we were only doing the Marvel universe Chris's, that would leave out Chris Pine. Yes, but Chris Pine is my favorite. I know, I know. Which is why I thought you would marry him. I'm happy to marry Chris Pine. Look, I'm happy to marry Chris Pine. I can switch my marry and fork. It's fine. Okay. (laughs) What's next week? The Ballad of Donkey Doug. So we're going to get some more Jason ding-dogginess, I'm I'm imagining. You know, until next week, who, what, where, when, wine. We'll see you next time, ding-dongs, and our number one ding-dong, Chris. (laughs) 4,000 
nowhere else on earth that I would rather be. Let the time go by. I won't care if I can be here on the street where you live. Yeah, hold on just a second, okay? Could have danced all night. I could have danced all night and still have begged for more. I could have spread my wings and done a thousand things I've never done before. Kind of reminds me of the scene where they're all dancing in the good place you know after they realize that they've all got a they're sort of resigning themselves to their fate and we have that really nice slow dance between Chidi and Eleanor sigh 